Hey there, sinkholers. Eric here. You're about to listen to the very first episode of Caught Looking, our limited run podcast series on all things baseball. Hope you enjoy it. If you don't, my feelings will be hurt, so keep that in mind. Um, just wanted to thank you uh, all for listening and reading, for supporting what we're doing here. Um, it means a lot. If you like us, you can find us on Facebook, uh, on Twitter, on Instagram. You can even find us on Reddit. Uh, anyway, enjoy the show. Hi there, and welcome to Caught Looking, Sinkhole's limited run podcast on all things baseball. I'm Eric Fershman, editor of Sinkhole. I'm here with longtime super fan and all-around good guy, Andrew Forbes. Andrew is our resident baseball columnist. He's published a collection of essays on the topic, The Utility of Boredom, and he writes a bi-weekly column for Sinkhole. We're calling, well, not necessarily bi-weekly, but every two or three weeks, and we're calling it, let me get this right here, Go, Go, Ichiro! I'll refrain from any further description because that's what we're here to talk about. Welcome, Andrew. Thank you very much for having me. Yeah. So before we get into the meaty stuff, I just kind of wanted to establish the basic facts. So what's the column about and uh, where did the idea come from? Very broadly, the column is about Ichiro, but uh, I think it's going to touch on an awful lot of things peripherally. I think it's going to be about baseball history. It's going to be about culture surrounding baseball, both in the United States, North America, and in Japan. Um, and the idea sprang from uh, a long-time desire to write about Ichiro. And the fact that he uh, kind of returned to the nest or was re-signed by the Seattle Mariners in the offseason uh, after a long period of uncertainty just seemed to me to be the spur to uh, find an outlet to write about Ichiro on a fairly regular basis. So why why Ichiro specifically? Uh, I've been such a big fan of his for so long. So the, the the first answer to the question is just that he has always been such an exciting player. Uh, I saw him in Seattle in his first season in uh, the majors in 2001. And he was already a phenom. I think it was August when I finally saw him. But it, he was already a huge story. He was already an all-star. Uh, at the game played in Seattle. But the bigger answer is just that he's such an interesting piece of already of baseball history. And that in looking at Ichiro, there are so many things that suggest themselves as topics of sort of further research and further discussion. So the other thing, the other thing that plays a, a really big part in your, your first dispatch, at least, is the spring koshien. So I'm wondering yes. if you could describe that for us a little bit because it, it sounds kind of fun and uh, why you chose to write about that, how it specifically connects to Ichiro. Well, as I mentioned in the, in the column, uh, the spring Koshien is basically so that's a in terms of importance. Column, huh? <laughs> if you haven't already, <laughs> if it, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's a, the short answer is that it's a high school baseball tournament and there are two that run in Japan. Uh, there's the spring, Koshien, which is uh, happening right now, and there's the summer Koshien, which occurs in August each year. And they are basically invitational baseball tournaments uh, for high school teams, but they rival in sort of importance and in the excitement level that they generate. Uh, March Madness, basically. Uh, they're huge, and they garner 
massive coverage. They have television coverage. Uh, the stands at the Koshien Stadium uh, in the Kobe Osaka area, they're packed, close to 50,000 people to watch these high school kids play baseball. And if you can find a reliable online stream, um, what you get is this incredible pageant of baseball, these beautiful scenes, these uh, sort of very classically oriented uniforms, these kids who wear their uniforms like they're Mickey Mantle. Um, and this very conservative, fundamentally sound, beautiful style of baseball, which kind of eschews the home run almost altogether in favor of a game which is more t- team oriented. Um, it connects to Ichiro. Um, you know, the, the simple answer is that he played in the Koshien twice when he was in high school. Didn't win either one. Um, the broader answer is that it's access to uh, the sort of baseball that gave birth to Ichiro as a player, the way that we see him now. Seventh inning Sorry, stretch. I, I, yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't resist. Um, so I want to ask you maybe a little bit more, a broader question, and it's something that we've definitely talked about over the years, but why do you, what do you love about baseball? And, and then a second, a follow-up question to that would be, what do you say to the folks out there who think the game is too slow or too boring or no longer relevant? I've had these arguments with, with my friends when I try and turn on Cubs games. They're like, no, 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 no. And I said, just, <laughs> you know, please. Uh, the answer to the first part of the question is probably um, so obscure as to be difficult on earth, but I'm sure it has something to do with my relationship with my father. Uh, but also... Oh, that's good, just good writerly stuff here. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> How much time do we have? Uh, but, uh, you know, since since I was introduced at, to it at a very young age, it, it just seemed to catch something. It seemed to take hold. Um, uh, you know, and where the real love of it took off, I don't know whether it was listening to games on the radio as a kid or watching them on TV or the first time that I uh, emerged from the concourse out uh, into the tunnel and saw the almost glow-in-the-dark AstroTurf field of Olympic Stadium in Montreal. Um, it just became something very early that I loved, and the more I incorporated it into my life, I think the more it sort of uh, became a permanent part of my life going forward. So I don't know. Why do we love the things we love? They just kind of, they, they exert a hold on us and it, it's had one for a long time. Um, the second part of the question is baseball boring. I won't defend that too <laughs> vigorously. I think, I, I think, it, I mean, you know, the, the collection of essays that I published was called the utility of boredom. And I think that the gist of that is that, I'm not going to argue with you that baseball can't be boring. I'm going to argue with you that boredom has some use or some value in our lives. And primarily that's to disconnect us from the relentless pace of modern life and force us into a rhythm which is a little bit alien to us in the rest of our daily existence these days. Yeah. Um, so back to Ichiro. Uh, I was struck yes. by your framing of, of his career uh, the longevity of it, that, that sort of whispered implication that there's something deep and important driving him. So I wanted to ask you, what is driving Ichiro? There's a very good article in a recent uh, issue of ESPN, the magazine written by Wright Thompson called When Winter Never Ends. And I think it was, for the most part, written before Ichiro had signed the contract with the Mariners. So there's a, a, a note of uncertainty in it about whether he'd be... Uh, 
playing baseball in the United States anymore, but it does a good job, I think, of getting to the bottom of the mania Ichiro approaches the game with, and that having been instilled in him by his father, who would um, who got him into the game quite early, and insisted on very rigorous training from a very young age for Ichiro. And uh, it was so traumatic, Ichiro has gone so far as to say it was probably child abuse, that Ichiro no longer speaks to his father. But it was something that was such a huge part of his life from such a young age that I don't think he even feels as though he, he's ever had a choice in the matter. Um, so he does it now with the fire of a man who does something well, but is driven to do it as close to perfectly as can be. Um, part of what makes him so interesting is his inscrutability. He, he's someone who's difficult to read and he doesn't give a lot. Um, but there seems to be within him something almost pathological about his approach to the game. And, uh, and I, I think part of the, the idea of writing this column is to get closer to that. I'd like to figure all these things out. I don't have all the answers at this point, which is, you know, I'm only one column in. Yeah. Um, hopefully by the end of the year, I'll have a better idea. But the idea was to immerse myself in all of this and see how much more I can figure out about the man. So, yeah, we'll it's see. funny. I, I, I think that inscrutability, you're right, is part of his appeal. Because I was reading something completely different into it, which was he's he's in some way trying to uh, defeat time, a sort of like epic of Gilgamesh level quest for Ichiro to... <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. That's that's kind of maybe that's just where my head is at. Maybe I'm projecting. I think part of uh, one of the things that sets him apart is is the mania with which he approaches mm -hmm. training. Um, and it's year round, and it's highly ritualized, and very targeted to the skills that he brings to the ball diamond. And um, you know, in the introductory press conference where he was reintroduced to Seattle Mariners fans just last month. Someone asked him a question about, you know, he'd been quoted somewhere as saying that he wanted to play baseball until he was 50. And he wanted to clarify during that press conference that he said that he wanted to play until he was at least 50. I think that the idea in his head is as long as I keep my body prepared uh, and I can be effective on the ball diamond, there's no reason why I wouldn't continue to play. Despite the fact that, nobody really has with a, with a few exceptions um you know the your 40s are basically the afterlife in terms of baseball but he is such a he's such a uh you know a finely tuned machine that as long as he can keep the gears in working order he doesn't see any reason why he should stop yeah so in the column i'm going to quote some of your words back to you here if it's not too awkward <laughs> love that. Oh, in the yeah, column, you that. write that, uh, quote, well, mostly quote, what makes Ichiro such a compelling ball player and figure then and now is that it's baseball unquestionably, but baseball after a direct collision of the familiar and the foreign. Baseball is filtered through a completely unique set of traditions. So what do you mean by this? I mean that he is a product of Japanese baseball and Japanese baseball fascinates me because, you know, they've been playing baseball there since the 1870s. They've been playing professionally since the 1930s. Um, and so much of the development of Japanese baseball has occurred in something of a vacuum. 
um, the same way that dialects of language uh, mature without influence from the outside. Japanese baseball has developed a series of routines and customs that are unique to Japanese baseball, and we don't see them in the United States or in Canada or anywhere in North America. Um, and it's fascinating to see the game reflected back from a different or refracted society. Um, refracted, that's probably a good way to put it, because it is different. It is unique in unmistakable ways. So Ichiro brought some of that over. Um, the Koshien puts that on display twice a year. Uh, the Japanese professional leagues as well. Uh, and, you know, there are a lot of people who have written about this, and there's some very good books on the subject. A couple by a writer named Robert Whiting. Um, you got to have Wa, which is primarily about American players playing in Japan, and uh, the meaning of Ichiro, which is about the opposite Japanese players uh, playing in the majors. But it's endlessly fascinating to me. As somebody who loves baseball, I kind of want to investigate all corners of it. And uh, this one is especially fruitful. It's a very interesting expression of baseball. <laughs> yeah, you did a good job. I scored again? I'm going to have too much fun with this, I think. Um, so, yeah, let me transition into more of a, a pure baseball question, which is, uh, oh, the, the dreaded predictions question. So who is going to come out of the American League? Who's going to come out of the National League? Who's going to win the World Series? I want you on record. Okay. Uh, I, I do this with caveats and with reservations. And, and first the first reservation <laughs> is that I've always been terrible, like really crappy at predictions. The second is that I kind of question the value of predictions because they seem to me a bit of a fool's errand because we, we're, ne- we're not going to know. I mean, and we could go into a deep discussion right now about uh, predicting something. pattern recognition and false pattern recognition, and we go all the way back into the human evolutionary. We, we, we watch sports, and especially for me, baseball, precisely because we can't predict what's going to happen. And if we could, what would the value in it be? It's the same reason I don't play fantasy sports. I don't want to be rooting for guys to do exactly what I expect them to do. Hmm. I want to be surprised by, you know, it's very, it's all... I mean, everyone expects to hit to see Giancarlo Stanton and Mike or uh, Aaron Judge hit a ton of home runs. It'd be cool to see Mike Judge hit home runs too. Aaron Judge hit a ton of home runs, but it's more exciting when like Scooter Jeanette of the Reds hits what yeah. three home runs in an afternoon or something, because mm-hmm. no one would have called it. All that having been said, I don't see anybody better than the Astros in the American League again, and I think this might be the Nationals' year in the National League. Um with the sort of closing window they've got and where's Bryce Harper going to be and uh, how much longer can Max Scherzer be as good as he is with all those things happening. I think this is the year they come. They certainly come out of the American, the national league East. I think this might be the year they get through the gauntlet of the, of the playoffs. Okay, Astros nationals series. and nationals. Yeah. Is it Who nationals or Astros? Yeah. Okay. It's a close one. I don't know. He's, he's uh it's hard to pin them down. It comes down to who's that'll come down to whose rotation is healthier. Well, I'll take the Cubs. <laughs> uh, I do, I do. You take the Cubs every year. And they just happen <laughs> to playing the odds. Comes <laughs> uh, the American League then. That's a good question. I, I would probably also take the Astros, but uh, that's a boring answer. So I don't know. It's a boring answer. Here's another prediction. I'm I'm going to dread watching 
every time I, you know, I live 90 minutes from Toronto. Yeah. The Blue Jays are the team that are usually on my TV. Um, and it's convenient because then I can, after those games are over, I can switch to the Mariners games on the West coast. Mm -hmm. But anyway, you know, lifelong Blue Jays fan. Um, I, I dread every single <laughs> time they play the Yankees this year. And that's kind of always the case. But in that, for like Stanton hitting two home runs in the very first uh, game yeah, of the year against yeah. the Blue Jays, I just kind of roll my eyes. Oh, here we go. Uh, well, thanks for joining me, Andrew. Yeah. Thanks to all of you for listening. That'll do it for the opening episode of Caught Looking. We'll be back in two or three weeks with a new episode. Until then, be sure to check out our other podcast, The Tumble Down. It's Sinkhole's pop culture podcast hosted by culture editor Brendan Barnes. He recently just did a fascinating and, and really, really funny two-parter on American blackness and pop culture. Covered uh, Black Panther, covered Get Out, covered Code Switching, the uh, double consciousness of people of color, and more. Um, so yeah, be sure to check that out in the meantime. And, and I think to end this episode, we're going to do our favorite noise. <laughs> Thanks all.